Thank you for tuning in to Don't Keep It To Yourself. I am your host, Cherise Shockley. The purpose of this podcast is to provide a safe place for an open dialogue that will enable my conversation partners to be seen and heard. I'm excited today because I have my brother. His name is Arian. I think I'll actually call him my first real best friend. I I think that's the best way to describe him. Yeah, he's my first real best friend. We got in trouble together. I fought for him. I did a lot of things. So I'm excited to to bring him on. Hey, Arian. Hey, what's going on, sister? Nothing much. How are you doing? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. How are you? You know what? I I'm doing good. I was very nervous about doing this alone because usually I have somebody to do it with. Remember, I even tried to get you to do a podcast with me. Right. Um, <laughs> so so I'm I'm actually good. I'm excited about it. Um, I'm just yeah, I'm excited. I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Well, thank you so much. So, um. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, we could go a lot of different ways with this conversation. Um, so let's just go with the flow. How about that? Awesome sauce. Um, so husband, 11 years, father of three, beautiful little girls, nine, six, and two, Kendall, Leah, and Ariel in that order. Um, I'm just a, an average guy living the American dream, beautiful family. Uh, business owner, uh, do uh, my own uh, life insurance and investments, and also personal training. So I'm just a, just living the dream. Very nice, very nice, living the dream. So before we even get to living the dream, because there's so much about you mm-hmm. that even got you to the point where you could go off and do your own thing. Mm-hmm. So um, I like to kind of start with our childhood. Because I think that will provide a lot of substance to the conversation. Um, So what, how would you describe our childhood? (laughs) Um, I would say interesting, fun, challenging, for fulfill, a sense of fulfillment. I I think that we, uh, I think we had a lot of emotions in our childhood. I would say more good than bad, honestly, but I think there was a lot of like a, a, our childhood was a roller coaster. You know, you had your ups and your downs. So, I, but overall, I, I think we had a really good childhood. Um, despite you know growing up in a single parent home, I think that um, we we had a mother that loved us, and so it taught us to uh, it taught us to. Uh, I don't know. It just taught us to be strong. You know, it taught, it taught us to be strong. It taught us to, you know, be independent. It taught us to, to think, uh, think, I, 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 let's say grow up. I say grow up quickly. We had to grow up quickly. Yeah. It's funny because now that I have, you know, when, when I, we found out we were pregnant with Naya, I was pregnant with Naya. I had always said that, you know, there are some things that I'm not going to do with her, mm-hmm. but as I get older and look back at our childhood, there are some things that I wish I would have done. 
Like mm-hmm. I didn't want her cooking like four course meals when she was eight years old, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted her to be a kid. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I believe that those things that we did growing up, it didn't make sense to us. But every once in a while, I have to get on the phone and call mama and tell her thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's crazy because looking now, like I, I have, obviously have a nine-year-old. I'm thinking like, man, I was cooking, had to do dishes. Like we had to clean up the whole house. Like, but now it's like, I noticed me and my wife, we do a lot of the stuff, you know, she'll jump in and help do the dishes. But it, it was just different because it was like, no, you guys are going to do the dishes. I'm not going to be home until late because I'm working. You guys need to cook for yourself. I'm like, I'm eight. <laughs> what, you, what, you mean I, what you mean I got to cook for myself? But I learned how to cook. So now I, as an adult, you know, I, I can cook. I don't, my wife cooks, but I mean, I can cook, you know, and then I owe it to that, uh, that upbringing because had she done everything for us, I don't think we'd be the responsible adults we are right now. I know. And it's crazy. You, like I, like you said, I can cook. Luckily I have a husband who helps split the duties with me, mm-hmm. but she always does. It's crazy. Right. She always raised us that if something happened to her, that, we would be able to take care of ourselves that someone would take all of us and not just one of us and split us up. Yep. Yep. I mean, she, mama was, mama was tough, man. It's crazy because she was a tough mother, but she's a soft grandma. Oh God. I'm like the things that these grandkids can get away with. I'm like, why are you talking to her like that? Like what? <laughs> like who are you talking to? Like I, I find myself getting more upset than she does, you know. But I think it's one of those things where she raised her kids, she did what she was supposed to do, and there are kids, so it's like that's not her stress, you know. So I, I just think it's funny though that she was so tough on us, and then like I said, with these grandkids, especially my my little one, man, she lets she lets her get away with murder, so. Well, I think that's right. She can spoil them and send them home back to you. Exactly. Exactly. So, so that's that's the blessing, right? So, sh- mom was hard. Um, let's talk about elementary school. Mm-hmm. So, I've had. I think I've probably attended more schools with you than I did with anybody else. Yep, Elise. What? Got now Garfield. Border Star. Border Star. Did you go to Woodland with me? No, because you were in, you went to Woodland in kindergarten, and I went. Did you go to Woodland in no, first grade? Not Woodland. I'm sorry, I didn't mean Woodland. I meant Milton Moore in fourth grade. Nope, I didn't go to Milton Moore. I was at uh, I was at, I was at Garfield. No, was I wasn't at Garfield. I was still at Border Star. I was at Garfield fourth and fifth grade. Okay, yeah, I could I couldn't remember that, but yeah, it was mostly us because I think obviously Andre was older, so D. I know he went to Border Star with us. But I think that's it. Other than that, it was always me and you. Yeah, and the reason why I remember Border Star, what is one thing that you can remember happened at Border Star? And I think that if people know me from the diabetes side, this mm-hmm. is going to be really shocking to me. Yeah, people. it's funny. It's funny because we just rolled past there uh, Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday. We go walking, you know, once or twice a week over at, at Loose Park. And we were driving by, and I told the girls, I said, that, I used to go to school there. They was like, where that's school? I said, that's school right there. That's the school where Auntie Applesauce, that's what the kids call you, Auntie Applesauce uh, got jumped by some girls. 
It's like, huh? I was like, well, the girls, you know, my mama told me I couldn't get girls growing up, and the girls was, you know, talking about me or messing with me or whatever. I don't even remember what it was. Probably something real stupid. But you skipped class and came <laughs> in my lunch period. It's like, I look up, and you're in my lunch period just sitting there. And then we go, you know, everybody's going outside. And then I come outside, and I see all this commotion. And then I I, I, just, I knew it was you because you weren't supposed to be on my lunch. I just knew it was you. I come running down there. You fighting all of these girls and some boy like jumped in. So I jumped in and we just sitting there fighting everybody. And uh, it was crazy because when I even think about it now, I cannot remember them calling mama. I, I don't, I'm almost positive she didn't know about that until we told her about it years later. Yeah, she didn't know about it. Yeah, Ms. so it was. Miss Kirksey didn't play. Yeah. Yeah. So it was crazy. But I, I mean, I think it's funny to this day, all these years later, like, how did you skip? Like, what was your teacher doing? Like, what was your teacher <laughs> at when you were skipping and in, in, into a, a whole lunch period? Like, it was like that. That's literally the I'll never the, I will never forget that as long as I live. Like, that's literally one of my 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 all time favorite childhood memories. Like, not the fight itself, but the fact that how did this second grader skip <laughs> skip class? A whole set through a whole lunch period, get into a fight, and then not mama didn't find out. That was that was crazy stuff. So, well, yeah. they were messing with you, and you couldn't fight them, so I had to go fight them. I know, man. That was crazy, man. And then I just like I said, just the fact that mama didn't know is crazy to me because I could think of so many other situations in elementary where mama got a phone call because you did something, and it was. <laughs> <laughs> you remember Garfield fourth grade? Yes. Oh Jeremy my god. Was, oh gosh. I yes. slapped this girl. I told her I was like, stop staring at me. And she kept staring <laughs> at me. And like this girl was she she was like she was bigger than me. Like <sighs> way bigger than me. And I just got up and just clocked her. And we started fighting and I beat her up. And I got called to the office. Mama was sitting in the office. I walked in, talking crazy. Oh, my mama ain't going to do nothing to me. She walked, she looked at me. She walked up <laughs> to me in the principal's office, not in the closed office, in the open office. Mm-hmm. Slapped me. She said, I'll see you when I get home, when you get home. And then, bam, she walked out. They don't make parents like that no more. <laughs> Had that happened today? Oh, oh mama would have been in jail. Oh, she'd have been in jail so fast, man. That, that it's crazy. It's it's like it was it wasn't like child abuse. Like you even think about it now. Like I even looking back now as an adult, that to me wasn't child abuse. That was just her way of letting you know she didn't she wasn't playing that. You know, she did she never abused it. She never, I mean, I'm not one of those people that, man, she just went overboard. Like, of course, when you're a kid, you get disciplined. You think that, oh, my God, it's the worst thing in the world. But it's it was really, like, grooming us for adulthood because I promise you, the thought of mama coming up to my school or just even now, I tell mama, I'm scared of her now. You know, I'm, yeah, I don't I'm, even hang up on her. Yeah, she I'm can hop on the plane. And yeah. I mean, I'm 40 years old, you know, I'm a, muscles and everything, but you know, I, I still flinch sometimes when she moves too fast because I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know if she's gonna hit me, but you know, I when I like I said, when I really think about it now as an adult, I just she didn't that was her way of it was an expression of love, like it was like, dude, 
chill out. I'm trying to work. You sitting there clowning. I'm going to slap you. Get it together. See you at home. But <laughs> 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 well, yo, man, I, I love it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change. Honestly, wouldn't change anything about our childhood. Like no, even, I, even being in a single parent home, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. Cause I think, like I said, it just made us who we are now. And I think if I'm not saying that I wouldn't be a good father, having a father in the home, but not having one made me appreciate it more when I had kids. It's like, I don't want my kids to go through that. So, you know, that makes me work harder to be in my kid, you know, be a part of my kid's life. Right. I, I totally get that. It's, and then for me, it's, you know, I, we never, even though she struggled, we never went without, Yeah. never went without. And, you know, I always wonder, I, I actually, it's funny. I actually recorded D before I recorded you mm-hmm. and uh, he, he, we were talking about how she found a way, like yeah. if it wasn't hers, she has, she's done so good. So she's done so many good things for people that mm-hmm. people were always there whenever she needed it. Yeah. She, she's definitely, I don't know, man. It's like people say that you, you'll be biased because it's your mother, but I promise you, man, I promise you, I don't know anybody on the face of this earth that has done more for other people that wasn't her kids, wasn't her family than she has. Like just the community work that she's done. Um, and she's so everything. And she's so, she's just a, she's, she's tough, but she's soft when it comes to people. Like she has a heart for people. Like people say that a lot of people say I have a heart for people, but they don't like being bothered with people. But the, I, I remember none of the, one of the other things that I remember and I remember as long as I live about mama, I remember a time where she was doing toys for tots. Um, and there was this little kid, little Hispanic kid just hanging around. And it was kind of after it was over, she still had a bunch of toys left. And, uh, you know, m- mama was like, where's your, your parents at? And I, his, his English wasn't really good, but she's like, you know, they weren't there or whatever. And so somehow she got enough out of him to get his address and we packed up a bunch of her, the toys that she had left and took it to a house. Right. And it was just, I don't mm-hmm. know why that just did something to me because she could see like, like almost a desire for the kid to want these toys or and, and want these things, but his parents hadn't signed up for the toys for tots or whatever, but she had all of these toys left over and she took it to their house and, like I always think, I tell her that all the time. It's, it's Christmas time. I obviously really think about it, but that's the kind of person that she is. She wanted to make that kid's day and holidays so special that you know she did everything that she could to you know get his address, and then you know we took the stuff over there. So she's just a great person. She she really is. So mm-hmm. with her being great, right, mm-hmm. and it's something that as parents we have to kind of remind ourselves is that we can't always. We can give our children the tools that they need to be successful and to make the right decisions in life. But at some point, they're going to do their own thing, mm-hmm. which reminds me of, you know, you know, you used to be in a game. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you are hardcore gang member mm-hmm. um, through, was it middle school? Yeah, like 92 to... I mean, really, into into my adulthood for real. Yeah, um, like why being and, and something, and I've never asked you this, so this mm-hmm. is me. Just I want to know, like, why did you choose to go down that route, knowing that Mama tried everything in her power, being a single mother, to keep you from going that way, and you still went that way. Like, what was going uh, on? I was I was fascinated by the lifestyle. 
Like my 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 best friend at the time, the crazy thing is still my best friend to this day, almost 30 years later. Um I I just I was intrigued by the life that he was living at a young age. Like he didn't have to uh he he was just doing whatever he wanted to do, going, you know, house party, staying out late, you know, doing you know, doing drugs, smoking weed, just just living his life and i'm like man I, I don't know i just we just clicked and so um it was one of those things where i just i don't know i was just fascinated with the life i got the freedom you know and i think not having a father in the home somebody that you know even though mama she was she would uh discipline i don't know i got to that you know testosterone start kicking in you know puberty mm -hmm. Uh, I was just fascinated. You start with smelling it. yourself like I start smelling there? myself. Yeah, I, I, I was. I, I was just fascinated by the gang lifestyle because it was like I didn't have a father, right? But mm -hmm. there, here I had these these brothers that embraced me, and you know, it was a it was like a genuine love, you know. And so it we just clicked, you know. Me and uh, you know, Raphael, you know, we clicked. I met him in I met Raphael. I knew Raphael in the sixth grade, but I met him in the seventh grade, and we started hanging out. So the more I started hanging around them and we was just doing what we wanted to do, I was just fascinated. And then, you know, mom ended up putting me out when I was, you know, like 13 and I went to stay with them. And then the rest was history. You know, we up all night. We, you know, messing with girls. I says, you know, smoking weed, you know, hustling, doing all these different things. And, you know, I was getting fast money. I was doing what I wanted to do, you know, and we were staying with his grandmother. And it's like, it's not like she was just, allowing us to but i mean she was at an age that really where she couldn't keep up with what we was doing so you know i was just fascinated with the lifestyle and then you know i got a, got in trouble got arrested a couple of times and you know the last time i got arrested they were uh talking about certifying me as an adult you know because it was kind of it was like my third assault case and uh i remember walking it was funny we and l just talked about this the other day i walked i got arrested on a monday i had to go I had to see the, I, they kept me in attention. I had to see the judge on that Wednesday. I walked in the courtroom and I just had this attitude because I just felt like I shouldn't have been. I felt like my mama should have got me out. And the judge is talking to me and I'm just looking at him crazy. And he detained me. He said, send him back. He detained me. Mama came to see me that night. She said, I'm going to tell you like this. She said, I'm going to try to get you another court case this week. She said, when you go in there, you better go in there smiling. Do you understand me? Go in there smiling because if they keep you, they're gonna end up sending you to the penitentiary. So I went in there Friday. I went in there smiling. I was cheesy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, hey, sir. You know, hey, you know, uh, because I mean I really didn't want to be in there. You know, it was juvenile was enough for me. Not that I was scared because I was willing to deal with it, whatever consequences that I had to because I did the action and I was and I was solid on that. And even my mama, you know, mama to this day can tell you that, you know, I never I didn't. I didn't get scared. Like I wasn't scared. I was more, I was disappointed in myself because I felt like I disappointed her. That was the first time that I really, it clicked that I disappointed her. And I, you know, so I got out that Friday, I ended up, uh, you know, eventually getting into a GD program, graduating high school early, a year early. And, you know, just kind of started growing up, you know, went to college for a little bit, came back and, then by 19, I was, you know, out living on my own and has, you know, just never really looked back after that. So I think just, I mean, the overall answer to your question, I was just intrigued by the lifestyle, the independent, the, the independent lifestyle that I was really living at a young age was just fascinating to me. Wow. So if you, 
if you could go back to that, you know, your sixth, sixth grade, seventh grade, even up till, you know, you went to uh, Genesis, what would you tell your young self? You know, I like to say that I would tell myself to stay away from the gangs, focus on schoolwork and all those different things. But I'd be lying uh, because the reason why I say that is because, um, like I said, me and Raphael are still friends to this day. Like, he's literally my oldest childhood friend, like somebody that I've been friends with since that age. And he's obviously he's, he changed his lifestyle, not, you know, married, you know, his children. Neither one of us lived that lifestyle. But be, but to be able to have that that chapter of my life and that story with my best friend as a child and now as an adult like we're in business together um we work out together we spend a lot of time together our wives are uh, really close friends you know to to be able to have those conversations like we were together yesterday all day you know you know went shopping and different things like that but to talk about those childhood stories and see where we were at and see where we are now i like i cherish that so i wouldn't even i wouldn't change anything i would do every i wouldn't do anything differently because I think it's still, I thank God that I, I didn't die, uh, become a victim of the streets as far as death, and I didn't go to the penitentiary. But I'm thankful for the lesson learned because, again, that's who made me the man I am now. And what lesson did you learn? The lesson that I learned was <laughs> stop being stupid. <laughs> no, you know, it, it taught, well, honestly, what it taught me that, in, that, that independency, I don't know if that's where I'm just, I'm gonna call it a word though. It, like me, I'm a survivor. It showed me that I was, I'm a survivor, right? Through mm -hmm. uh, everything that I went through, through the, the, you know, issues with the police, being locked up, almost dying a couple of times, you know, getting into gang fights, different things like that, uh, you know, selling drugs, all those different things. It actually, it taught me to be self-sufficient, right? So that street life and that hustle, now legally i'm able to i'm able to make money legally why because i'm not afraid of anything right i've lived right. through the worst parts of my life right and before i was living for me now i'm living for my family right so before it was just me <clears throat> excuse me and i was willing to to do whatever i could to to make money and make ends meet but now i got three mouths that look up to me and they hungry i gotta feed them right i got a wife that relies on me and relying on me and depending on me can't be selling drugs because then I get locked up and and they're they're really you know missing something right so for me right. now is having my own business you know it allows for me to uh you know be in my family's life making a you know a, a legal income and and just 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 go teach my kids about the life lessons that i went through so they don't have to go through right i you know it's it's actually funny that you you mentioned that because I think about and it's something that I probably never told you either because we just don't talk about it mm. is the time and I actually just heard Kevin talk about it uh, was it two years ago when the Chiefs was playing the Rams mm -hmm. um, when you saved him yeah and you saw the potential in him to tell Kevin not to go down the route of street games. Mm -hmm. At that moment, I mean, you were like seventh, eighth grade. I would say yeah. maybe freshman. What? It's like eighth. It was like eighth grade. You were mature enough to know that it wasn't the path for somebody else to go down. Like, 
Yeah, Which, I I love you know that was that's my dude, and I had you right. I had enough common sense at that age that I cared about him so much that I didn't want him to to waste his talent and you know and be in a situation where you know he ended up dead or in jail. You know, he was out. I mean, he was a star. You know, football player, basketball player. I mean, he he had just God given talent. And um, I just, I never, I played sports, but I never considered myself to be a star or just had that, that it factor, you know, I never really knew what it was that I, that I had at that time, but I knew, I knew with him, I said, man, nah, bro, I said, I don't know when to play, play football, like, get out of here with all that, you know what I'm saying, like, nah, you ain't doing this, you know. You know what it made me, what I just thought about, so I just finished watching the series All-American. Mm-hmm. And Spencer, which was is the star of the show, mm-hmm. it made me think about how Sean used to always tell people that Spencer has something better to do to protect him and to keep him away from gangs. And you, in essence, did the same thing. The only difference between you and Sean is that Sean, you got out before you became a victim of the right. and Sean didn't. So that just actually, I don't know why I didn't think about that. I was watching it, but that right there is what he did for Spencer, and Spencer had no clue of what he did and what Sean was doing for him pretty much from the time that Spencer's brother got him involved in, in the street mm-hmm. until the time he got killed. Yeah, and not, that's funny because that's one of the things that really attracted me to that show, All-American, when I, I saw the previews of it, because I saw it at first, and I didn't start watching it initially. And, you know, you get on Netflix, and she's like, let me, let me, you know, watch the trailer. And I was like, huh, the, it, this, that story, because, you know, based on a true story, kind of played in my mind, like, wow, you know, I thought about Kevin, and, you know, how I always cared about, you know, him, and, you know, wanted to make sure, like, even when I was still kind of in the streets, and he was going to school down to CMSU, you know, I'd go down there and watch him play ball, you know, uh, you know, kept up with him when he was in uh you know, arena football, I went to go see him play. And uh, I think he played in the Canadian league for a second, but I mean, to this day, you know, we still got a close relationship and I know that he's, uh, you know, he's a pastor now and he's, you know, told that same story to, uh, you know, congregations, you know, over the years that he's been doing it. So it's, you know, I, for me, I think that's why I have the characteristics like mama, like I I have a heart for people. And sometimes I feel like I care about people more than I care about myself to a certain extent. You know, I'm obviously I love myself, but like I always put other people's needs before my own, even my family, you know, my kids, you know, my wife, their needs, their needs always come before mine. And I've just been like that with just people in general. Like I'll do anything for anybody, you know, um, especially if you're a solid person and just Kevin, just he was a solid dude, man. That's my guy. Wow. So let's talk about family. Mm-hmm. How is it right now? So not only are you an older black man, mm-hmm. you are raising three black girls. And when we think about, you know, what's happening in the black community, um, which all of this has been happening. I think social media has just brought it to life, uh, brought it to light so more people can see, you know, what's happening. But how is it, you know, raising three beautiful girls 
in times like this? Um, it's rough. Um, being on this side of what's happening in the world, um, versus being on the side that I was in growing up. You know, I was actually had a you know, a, I was sort of a victim of police brutality when I was fifteen, and so you know, knowing that that could have been like. I could have been, you know, George Floyd or, you know, uh, one of these, uh, you know, young black men that was killed by a police officer. And not to say that all police officers are bad. I, I'll never say it, fix my mouth to say that because I'm just not that kind of person because I know that that's not the case. But um, but to see the level of death, the level of hatred, the level of, um, I don't know, just the way where our society, it, I'm fearful. And like what I mean is like I'm worried about the quality of men that my daughters will have to deal with when they get older. And I don't say that as if there's no good uh, black men. That that's I'm not saying that. But what I mean is that you know it's like they're just dying at a rapid rate. You know, it's like they're they they're dying not just from police brutality, just in general. You know, just uh just in general, it's a lot of you know senseless murders happening. And, um, you know, I just worry about my daughters one day getting married and then their husbands being victims, whether it's police police brutality or something else, and having to be that shoulder for my daughters. Like, I don't want to see them go through that pain, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, watching these families uh, lose a loved one, I worry about that. Um, I can't say that, I can't say that I worry about my daughters being um, Black women, even though obviously we, you know, had situations with the, like, Breonna Taylor and, uh, um, I forget the other young lady's name in Texas. Uh, Tam- Tamir. Oh God, I'm sorry. Is it Tamir Rice? I'm sorry. I can. I, I apologize for if I said her name wrong. But um, I I don't really fear for my daughter's life when it comes to racial issues. Um, I just fear, like I said, that that some point my daughters will become wives and have black sons possibly. And that this, this cycle of hate and racism and uh, violence in our community will still be here when they have their kids. So, you know, I just, I don't shield my kids from it. You know, when things happen, we watch mm-hmm. it on the news. Uh, you know, I, I remember I got actually pulled over by a police officer uh, on new year's day. I was taking them to see uh, to their grandmother's to spend the night and I was speeding <clears throat> not even, not even paying attention. Not purposely speaking. We was just, we was listening to music. I was listening to probably this uh, some Disney song or something. I just got trust really me. Into I followed it. your Apple playlist, and I'm like, what in the heck is he? Yeah, yeah. I, I have to remind myself that you have three girls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we were just riding something. I was just going too fast. A cop pulled me over, and I started laughing. I started laughing, and the girls was like, "What? What? Why, Daddy? Why are you laughing? You just got pulled over by the police." I was like, "Cause I was wrong." I said, "Now watch this, right?" The cop comes up and he was like, you know, why I stopped you. I said, man, I was going so fast. I just started laughing and he started laughing, you know, and I was like, man, I apologize. I said, you know, I, I said, I wasn't like, I said, I was just listening to this Disney music with my kids and I just got caught up in it and my foot just went down a little too far. And so he was, you know, really cool, man. You know, I mean, obviously he still wrote me a ticket, but the interaction was great. Like, right, we laughed, we joked about it. He had even knocked it down by a couple of miles so I wouldn't have to pay a big fine. Um, and, I, uh-huh. and I was and I was even laughing after, you know, he went back to the car. My kids were like, Daddy, why you, why you still laughing? I said, because that could have went 
left. That, that could have went a totally different way, right? I could have been laughing, trying to, you know, break the ice with him, trying to show him that I wasn't tripping. And he could have took it like, why are you laughing? You think something's funny? He wasn't like that. He, I just like, man, I was, I said, man, I was gone, man. He was like, man. And we just laughed about it. I said, but I, 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 I'm glad you girls got to see that because all police officers aren't bad. All white right. people aren't bad. You know, I will never raise my kids. And I don't, you know, care who has a problem with it. For me, as a black man, as a black father, I will never raise my kids to think that all white people are bad. I've had some tremendous white people in my life that have like made major impacts from when I was in school, um, you know, in my so in my childhood life and in my adult life. I would never say that. So, you know, I I, I just want my kids to know that <clears throat> to be able to decipher the between good and evil, n- no matter what the skin tone is. Right. Right. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. Uh, love is love and hate is hate. So, you know, define that by the person's character, not by the color of their skin. Right. Right. So we're going back up a little bit. So Sandra Bland is the young lady Sandra in Bland. Texas. Sorry. And yeah. Tamara Rice. Tamara Rice is the young boy in Ohio. In Ohio. Yeah. My apologies. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you're fine. But yeah. so let's back up a little bit. So this mm-hmm. is back to childhood. And this replays in my head almost all the time, mm-hmm. especially when we talk about Tamir Rice. So you remember when Mama had Reverend Tindall's limousine? Mm-hmm. It was all of us in the limousine, and we went through the drive-through at White White Castle. Castles. Yep. Yep. I do. And Andre was a jokester. Mm-hmm. Andre's our big brother, and he pulled out a, a fake gun. And acted as if he was going to rob us. Mm-hmm. And the people inside of White Castle called the police. Now, back then, Grandview, Missouri, the police officer was kind of sketchy. Right. So, thank God we weren't living in today's time period. Mm-hmm. But could you imagine how south that could have went? Like, Yeah, that could have been bad. That could have been, that was crazy. Like, it was, uh, I mean, it was totally understood the the response. I mean, because they swarmed on us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I it, I definitely think that had that happened now, that could have, that would have been totally different. I mean, because I remember exactly what the, it was like a toy cap gun, but it mm-hmm. looked real. It was even still, it like it looked like a real gun, like a real handgun. It was, it was like a chrome color, black handle, and look had it even had a little weight to it, like it was a real gun. So I can definitely see that uh going south had that been, you know, in this, you know, the 2019-20, you know, era. Right. I I it's funny because when you sit and you think about it and you you know, as the older you get, you start looking like looking back and saying, "Wow, if that would have happened now, like, yeah, he would have been gone." Yeah, that was bad. That was that was bad. I forgot about that, but yeah, I remember. As soon as you said the limousine, I was like, "Yep, I remember that." And we were yeah. on our way to church. Yep, yep. It was that was crazy, man. But you know, I mean, thankful. You know, thankfully it didn't happen. And like I said, that goes back to what I said about not all cops being bad because mm-hmm. they, that could have, you know, could've what happened happens now could have happened then, you know, mm-hmm. and it didn't, you know, they had enough restraint uh, to, you know, get down to the bottom of it, see what it was. And, you know, we went on our way. So, you know, 
thank you know thankful for those those cops and their training and again man it's you know you got some bad apples out here man you got bad bad cops good cops you know good black people bad black people you know black bad black people is bad whites bad you know good whites so bad everywhere so like i said that's why i say don't you judge them off their character man not they they skin color man i just don't i just don't care about that stuff i don't care I don't care to embrace right like I don't care to give a voice to racism. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, I know it exists. I'm not going to give it a voice. I'm not going to waste my time and you know say that the you know always always make it an issue. I'm going to live my life, you know, and when something happens I I'll, I'll face it head on, you know, as a black man I'll face it head on. If I disagree with something, I disagree with it and, and we could talk about it, but I don't Any part in your life where you felt like you were seen and not heard and if so walk us through that process was i'm I'm gonna paraphrase but there was a quote by tony morrison and basically what she was saying is for the racists want you to think that the whole world is filled with them but in reality when you look at it there's very few racists in the world um very good quote i have to send it to you anytime any part in your life where you felt like you were seen and not heard? I think the only time that I ever felt like I was out of character to not, because I've, I've never had a problem with either speaking of or you doing, showing you how I felt physically, like if I was upset. But uh-huh. the, I think the, the, the time period in my life where I had to bottle that in was when I was a firefighter. Mm. There was a lot of, a lot of, open racism on the fire department a lot of uh a lot of uh i think of the right word man it was, it was just i dealt with a lot of stuff on the fire department and it was a lot of times where i really had to contain my anger because i know the kind of person that i am and i know what i'm capable of doing um but because i was trying to turn over my life you know turn over you know a new leaf in life um I, I I took a lot of stuff that I I would never have been willing to take in the past and I'll never take again in my life. So, you know, uh, I just, I never, I, I think I remember one time I got to it with a captain. I was, uh, I was on modified duty cause I hurt myself and uh, we got, I got to the station that morning and uh, it had rained inside the station. They didn't, uh, the, the shift before left the window up, so it kind of rained in the station. But we didn't notice it because we immediately started cleaning the truck. I think we had like a, a, a trainer or something that day, but we had the truck needed to be cleaned. So we cleaned the truck, and they, this captain comes out and like, Smith, get him up and get in there, clean up the floor. And I was like, just just like that. And I was like, hmm. I said, all right, yeah. I said, I'll, I'll uh, take care of it as soon as we finish, uh, you know, wiping out the truck, cleaning the truck. You ought to hear. I said, get in there and, you know, mopping, you know. And I was like, <laughs> I said, I looked at him. He walked out, so I followed him. I didn't go to where he told me to go. I followed him into the bathroom. I said, man, you, hey, man, who you talking to, man? I said, man, you done lost your mind. He was like, uh, you act like you hard of hearing or something? I said, nah, but I'm about to act like I'm about to lose my job. I said, I'm about to whoop your ass. You know, excuse my language, but that, I, I don't. I could tolerate a lot, but I, as a man, I can't tolerate too much disrespect. And I, it was weird because me and this captain, 
we had always gotten along. We were cool, you know? So, you know, fast forward, I, you know, I was on modified duty, so I didn't necessarily have to sleep at the station that night. So the other captain on duty was like, you know, man, you can go ahead and go home. You know, when you've been here all night, so just, you know, go home, be careful. Go home. A couple hours later, the captain that I got in tour with calls me. He said, yeah, I'm looking for Arian Smith. I said, this is him. He's like, yeah, you're supposed to be at the station. I said, well, Cap told me I could go home since I was on modified duty. He was like, nah, man. He said, I'm just playing with you. He said, I actually was just calling to apologize to you. He said, man, I'm just dealing with a lot of stuff at home. And I can't, I brought it to work and I took it out on you and I apologize. He said, you didn't deserve that. And I was like, man, it's cool. I said, you know, it was a little strange because I knew that you and I had always gotten along. So uh, when you, when you did that, it, it kind of threw me off, but he apologized, right? And I think he apologized more so because I stood my ground, I spoke up, you know, and I wasn't going to take it no more. You know, I had taken it, you know, being a new guy, um, you know, being, uh, you know, the low man on the totem pole, but I, I refused to be just outright disrespected. I, I could do, I could deal with hazing, you know, hey, you got to clean the toilets and all that kind of stuff. That's cool. But just to be disrespected as a man, especially when I did nothing wrong, I wasn't going for that. So yeah, I spoke up and, you know, he said so he ended up apologizing. And then, you know, we got along after that. So, but other than that, ain't nobody ever talking to me like that again. <laughs> ain't nobody talking to me like that again. I am not playing that at all. So you kind of had, you were kind of fed up. That was that was actually your turning point to say, you know what? Yeah, I mean, cause I love, I love the job. I love what we did. Um, but I just didn't understand why there was so much hate towards like African Americans on that job. Like it's, you know, the the black to white ratio on the, you know, Kansas City Fire Department is like, it's it's I ain't saying a handful literally, but it's a handful of us and a lot more of uh, white guys. And so, you know, a lot of those guys are like uh, generational firefighters where they, you know, grandpas and fathers are on the job or been on the job. And you know, me, I'm a First, I was a first generation firefighter, you know, and um, but I just dealt with a lot. And to me, it's like we're going in the fires together. I'm supposed to save your life, rescue you if something happens and I'll leave you. But then you sitting up here talking to me and treat me, you know, like I'm less than you because of the color of my skin. I I, I hated it. I It started making me hate the job and I ended up leaving after eight years, you know, because I just, you know, it was just more than I was willing to deal with. So, um, yeah. Wow. I actually, it's funny because I remember this because I was living in California mm-hmm. and you were like, Sharice, I'm, I'm a quit. That station has a history mm-hmm. of being uh, racist, uh, mean and treating black people differently than mm-hmm. what they would treat their, their white counterparts. So, um, so it's crazy. Did you miss it at all? No, the only thing that I miss, I miss, I miss driving that truck, man. It's something about driving that truck, man. When the lights is on, you running hot, you on the way to the car, man. I, I miss that, and I miss some of the guys that I worked with. Uh, one of the, my closest friends that was on that job passed away uh, some years ago uh, from a motorcycle accident. So uh, that uh, I think about him all the time because he was one of the first guys to really embrace me. He was actually younger than me, but he was a second generation firefighter, and his dad was uh, one of the captains I got a chance to work with at the time. But uh, yeah, Mikey, man, he uh, took me under his wing, man, and just uh, you know, just always showed me love, man. So I, you know, people like him, I miss him, and uh, but some of the guys I still. I still keep a relationship with, you know, like one of my, my boys, Brandon, uh, you know, I talk to him from time to time and, you know, every so often we'll get together for lunch. And then uh, 
one of my other partners, I see him at the gym, you know, a couple of times a week. So I just miss, you know, those relationships as far as working with those guys that were cool. But other than that, I just miss driving Big Red. That's it, man. I miss driving that big thing. That had to be cool. Yeah, I, I'm cool. I've never seen you drive a fire. I didn't get a chance to see you drive a fire truck. Oh man, I used to whip that thing, boy. I, oof, I turn that big old wheel. Boy, I said, who likes to drive that truck? Well, I remember one time we had a call and it was uh, we were out in Grandview and they had all of these cones set up because it was some construction going on. But man, I was bobbing and weaving through these cones like, whoa, whoa, whoa. and my captain was like, when I when we stopped at the scene, it was a car wreck. He looked at me and said, "Hey, man," he said, "That was some good driving, Smith." I was like. <laughs> Thank you, cat. <laughs> so, so now nah, I, I do miss driving big red, man. But you know, I, I don't believe in uh being unhappy. I believe that, you know, um you you live one life. You should I I just I just put this quote up today and I, I promise you it's a quote that I will live by the rest of my life is die with memories, not dreams. Um I think it's important to live your life to the fullest. To live the to, to live the life that you want to live, because it's, you only get one, you know. And create memories for yourself, create memories with your families, and you know, don't don't leave dreams, you know. Don't don't die with knowing that you didn't do the things that you wanted to do. You know, if you wanted to do this podcast, it's something you always wanted to do. Now it's a memory. It's something that is etched in stone. Nobody can take this away from you, right? Right. Um, you know, being a business owner, you. I've 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 uh, I've wrote written a book. I'm an author. You know, I'm a personal trainer. I've changed people's lives. I'm you know I do a I'm a licensed insurance agent. I'm helping families. You know, build generational wealth for their 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 loved ones. You know, I'm doing things that are not only making me happy, but are making other people happy. I'm able to travel with my family. You know, I'm taking uh, me and my uh, wife and my mother-in-law taking my three girls to Disney World next week for my oldest birthday. I'm able to do that, create a memory with my kids that I didn't get to have as a child. My mama couldn't afford to take us to Disney World. You know, I'm I'm blessed to where I, I can take my kids on trips and not be in a bond financially. So, you know, I just, again, just, you know, die with memories, not with dreams. Right. And it goes back to this whole, you know, theme of this podcast is don't keep it to yourself right mm -hmm. don't say it in anger but don't keep it to yourself um mm -hmm. because i think oftentimes there are things whether you know it's making sure we give people kind of like what we're doing with mom we giving her her roses now mm -hmm. and not saying singing our we wish we could have we should have done yeah. this or you know when someone ticks you off then speak up and tell them you don't have to be mean about it. Yeah. Or even you. Yeah. Or even like now with the, uh, you know, my father is currently uh, battling um, some illnesses. I mean, essentially he's in hospice care now and um, we didn't have a uh, relationship growing up, but, you know, I was able to go see him a week ago and, uh, you know, just tell him that I forgave him, you know, despite him not being there, I still became a, you know, uh, I still grew up, you know, 40 year old, 40 year old man now, you know, with a wife and three kids and I'm a, and I'm a great father, you know, and despite him not being there, that didn't change that. Like I'm, I still became a good man. So, but I just still wanted to tell him, let him know before he passed and I forgave him. And, you know, he told me he was sorry for not being there. And that meant everything to me because I felt like I was holding that inside. I was bottling it in and, um, uh, 
man, I'm trying to get emotional thinking about it. Um, it was really bothering me. And my, my Raphael, he kept telling me, because I was kept talking about stuff when we was going to the gym. He was like, man, call your dad, man. He's like, call your dad. He said, bro, I said, your dad going to die, and you're not going to have that, that peace, mm-hmm. and it's going to haunt you. It's going to bother you. You know, so, you know, I did it. And then um, he didn't tell me I was sorry, man. It was like every every ill feeling I had, every pain, um, every heartbreak, everything just left. Like now, you know, I've gone to see him in the hospital, you know, sat there with him, talked to him, prayed for him, you know, uh, to, you know, get to tell him I love him because I do love him. You know, I, I'm, I'm just not a person that could carry hate in my, my heart, man. That's a lot of that's a lot of weight to carry. So definitely didn't want to want him to pass having it on his heart to think that I hated him and not giving him a chance to be forgiven. And I want to let him know that I did forgive him. So yeah, you definitely can't keep it to yourself. Son. How does it, did it make you feel better? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, a lot better, you know, like I don't even, when I think about him now, the thoughts that I think about are present thoughts, right? It's not what happened in the past. And that used to be the case. Every time I thought about him, you know, just literally would think about him. I, a bad thought would always come to my mind of something that he did or didn't do, right? But now it's like when I think about him, I just want to talk to him. I just want to say, what's up, man? How you doing? You know, love you. You know, hang in there. Keep fighting, you know, or, you know, or, you know, we praying for you. You know, whatever. Like, it's all good things. So I'm definitely at peace. You know, I think it'll still hurt when he passes because, again, you just think of as a little boy yearning for that relationship with your father, you know, playing catch or, you know, basketball or football and all these different things. I didn't get that. Um, but I get the, I get the experience with my daughters, you know what I'm saying? My daughters are taking mar- studying martial arts. So I get to do that with my daughters and, you know, me and my oldest daughter real close. We hang out a lot and watch, you know, wrestling and UFC and boxing and, you know, girly stuff. So <laughs> it's a mixture of everything. <laughs> so nah, man, I'm, I'm at peace. I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, and I, you know, I'm praying that, you know, his transition is a peaceful one because, you know, I don't I don't wish no ill wills on, on him at all, man. You know, it's hard. It's hard being a parent, you know, and not to make an excuse for an absent parent. But, you know, everybody's just not built for it. You know, yeah. um, you don't know what being a parent is like until you're a parent. Yeah. So. And some and some people <clears throat> aren't cut out to be parents just mm-hmm. in birth, give birth doesn't mean that you're cut out to be a parent. And sometimes it takes people later in life to really wake up and, and see what happened. But for Raphael to continue to pressure you, to tell mm-hmm. you to, because I know you, mm-hmm. and it, it would have it tugged at your heart because mm-hmm. if, you're, if something would happen to you and your relationships with any of your daughters and with fewer dying and they didn't come, Mm-hmm. That would not sit well with you. Yeah, you, you would not be able to die in peace knowing that your your daughter's broken hearted for something that you did. Yep, and I gave him, I had to give him that peace, and then giving him that peace, I got my peace, and I I got some sense of maturity, more maturity. You know and what I mean is that having that having that conversation, giving that forgiveness, and and getting that apology made me say, man, I don't want to do anything to risk not being in my kid's life. Like I 
go to sleep. The last thing I do when I when I go to sleep, I hug all my girls, kiss them, tell them I love them and that they my best friends. And we tell it to each other. It's like our thing. And then I wake up in the morning, you know, if they sleep when I go to the gym, I come home. First thing I do is hug them, love on them, you know. Like I, I love being able to wake up with my kids, go to sleep with them, spend time with them. I'm a I'm a girl dad, you know. And so um I definitely any in the mess of my relationship with my daughters, I, I'm not, it's not worth it. So, yep, I definitely agree. I only have one, but Scott is a girl dad, and the relationship that him and Naya have is something that Naya and I have a relationship, but mm-hmm. to see them, like to listen to them, you know, talk about the football game when they're watching the football game and just the excitement of her giving him football stats and basketball stats and having these conversations it's uh sometimes i wish i could record it so if something happened to either either one of them that they had something to mm-hmm. sit back and just listen to um so yeah i i definitely totally agree and i think for us is that mama could never tell us that you know it was i'm your mother first mm-hmm. and i'm your friend last and i just yeah. tell nadia sometimes i'm like nadia you're my friend. I was like, but I'm your mother first, but you are my friend. So- yeah. Yeah. And that's crazy. Cause I, yeah, mama did do that. I, I, but I look like my kids, like they know, I mean, they obviously know I'm dad, you know, but it's like, I want them to know that we are, we are friends. Like we are, they are my best friends. Like, yeah. I, Cause I, you can't spend so much time with a person. I don't care. Two years, my two year old, six years, my six those are my those are my babies you know and um i want them to be able to talk to me i i was scared to talk to my mama you oh. know growing up I was, you know what i mean i think the only the one time i wasn't scared to say anything to mama was when i wanted to start having sex when i was young i remember having a conversation with her i was like mama i said uh i want to have sex i, I she said what I said I, I said I, I'm, I want to have sex. Like I don't even, and I don't even remember what happened to make me say that. Like, like I was, I was young, but I remember. I, was I remember her bringing me a, a a bag of condoms home. Then that same day, she said, "I'm not telling you that it's okay, but I'm telling you if you do it, to be careful." And then I, that made me, that gave me a respect for because I, I understood it even at that age. Right? She's like, "I'm not giving you my grace." I'm not saying that it's okay, but I, I'm saying if you're going to do it, be careful because, you know, you don't want to be a father, your teenage father, you know, and I didn't, I didn't have my first kiss and I was 30, you know, and I was married. So, uh, it's, uh, it, it, that sub, sub, subliminally, I guess, uh, just really did something to me. It's like, I always, you know, wore protection, different things like this. So no, I, I just, but now my, my, my girls are my, uh, they, my everything. Them is my partners. Like I, like I'm in one room right now, they're in another room and I miss them. Like that's, that's how much of a relationship I have with my kids. Like if I don't see my kids for an extended period of time, I don't care if it's an hour, like I start missing them because we have a really good playful relationship. You know, I always playing, practicing, like I said, the martial arts together or, you know, I'm, you know, like they hate when I'm like affectionate with their mama, you know, I'm kissing on her. They jump me and get off my mama. You know? <laughs> it's like a running thing in our house. You know, they, they know one of the, if they, one of them sees me, they call the other two, Kendo, daddy's kissing mama. And they jump on me and stuff. <laughs> but I, but I, I love it. Like, I, it's like a, it's a, it's a relationship, but it's like a, it's like a really good friendship. It's like, like I'm so excited to go to Disney World next week because I can't wait to see their excitement. I've been there, 
you know, me and Ma- me and Megan did our honeymoon in Orlando. But to I'm excited like to see them see Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse because for them it's gonna be magical, right? For me, it was right. like you know I, I'm gonna do like, what's up, Mickey? What's up, man? What's up, Donald? But for them, it's gonna be like. They done jumped on the TV screen, you know. They at the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, or you know. I got this. I I don't know, man. I get emotional when I talk about my kids, man. You want you want to tug at my that's you want to give me emotional. That's my that's that's my heartstrings right there. That's everything. So, yeah. Well, what advice would you give someone out there who may be listening that they're tired of being seen and not heard? Um, and they just don't know how to, to get it off their chest. So with you, there was a couple, there was the fire station mm-hmm. and also coming to peace with daddy. Mm-hmm. What would you tell to someone? I, I know it's hard because you don't know who's listening. But... Yeah. I would just say, protect your peace. And what I mean is protect your peace by, by getting whatever is bothering you off of your chest. Right. Um, you you have to do that because it will stress will kill you right you can have something there could be something that's going on with you that has nothing to do with what's really bothering you mm-hmm. right you you you're you're reacting to things and you're 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 not processing things well not because of what's happening in this situation, but something else that happened in your life. And that's what was going on with me. It's like, man, why am I feeling like this? Why am I? And then, like I said, it just, I kept talking about my daddy. Like, I'm like, out of nowhere, like, I didn't, it was like, and that's when he's like, man, go talk to your daddy. And I didn't realize that even though I thought I had, was over it, that I haven't really forgave him. Like, I didn't, I didn't tell him that I forgave him. And he, he never told me he was sorry. And I didn't even realize as a 40-year-old man how much that meant to me, right? Um, but I would just say protect your peace, you know. Um, and communication is is good, you know, it's it's good if it's a, if, if it's just your spouse, you know. Um right. sit them down to talk to them. Me and my wife, uh, we do something that we used to, that we learned from our pastor and wife. It's called courageous conversation. It's where you know you you basically go to your, your significant other and say, Hey, I want to have a courageous conversation. And they have to listen to you. They can't respond. They can't cut you off. No, they literally have to sit there and listen to you because it's almost like I called this meeting. I need you to hear my heart, right? Um, we started oh, doing wow. that we started doing that years ago. And what you, the the goal is is that you speak your heart, right? And that person has to take that information back and digest it and and really play it through in their mind before they before they interact or, or react to it, right? And it's helpful because when you sit back and say, "Well, this is how you made me feel when you did this. This is I if when you did this, this is what that made me feel like, right?" So then I have to take that back and say, "Dang, you know what?" Cause I'm now that I've calmed down. She stays. She said what she said. And I said, "Dang, you know what? I did overreact on that." So you're able to come back with a clear mind, a clear heart, and not in anger, and say, "You know what? I apologize." Right. Uh, so for couples, I definitely would say have a courageous conversation. Just let hear your spouse out, or or you know speak to your spouse and just really uh, speak your heart. Because again, man, uh, that can that can kill you. And to parents, let your kids tell you how they're feeling. Let your mm-hmm. kids express themselves to that because again, they you don't want them holding anything in, right? I yeah. obviously in with respect, like my daughter came to me, Daddy, you got me, man. But but I want my kids to feel comfortable and knowing that they could talk to me if there were because there's been times that 
I feel like I overreacted with one of my kids. And my wife has said something to me. Well, we never like correct each other in front of the kids. But my wife said something. She said, baby, you was a little bit, you was kind of tripping on that. And I'm like, dang, I was, wasn't I? And I'm going to apologize to my kids. Most people want to apologize to their kids. If I'm wrong, I don't care if it's my kid. I don't care if it's my wife. I don't care who it is. I'm going to apologize because they deserve that, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's no way that I can let my daughter go to bed thinking she did something wrong and I was the one that overreacted, right? right. So that's all of that, man. Let your kids uh, help them protect their peace by letting them speak. Let them tell you how they feel and be an adult enough, be mature enough to, you know, as a parent, sit back and realize like, man, I... I'm going to overreact and apologize to your kids because I don't believe in all that. All they kids, they, now nah, they got to listen to me. No, because you don't know how that's going to affect them in the long run, mm -hmm. how that's going to affect them when they become parents. I want my kids to be a good parent. So, and kids catch more of what they see than what you teach them. Right. So, yeah. All right. Well, Arian, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you. This has been great. Yeah, I appreciate it. And it was, it was fun, man. You almost got me crying. I caught it, though. Before we go, though, if anybody out there wants to check you out, where can they find you on, on social? Um, You can find me on Instagram at Mr. A-T-O-Z Fitness. So Mr. A to Z Fitness. Uh, a T O Z impact is my business page. Uh, and then on Facebook, Arian, A R I A N Smith, or, you know, you just want to reach out to me, uh, Arian, A R I A N dot Smith at outlook.com. I'm not hard to find. I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I'll make sure I, I, uh, post your information in the show notes. Definitely thank you for having me. I, you, you know I love you because I'm supposed to be watching the UFC fight, but I'm talking to you, so I'm about to go watch the rest of the fights. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Love you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Don't Keep It To Yourself. If you like what you hear, please leave us a comment rate or review and tell a friend if you have any feedback please feel free to send me an email at don't keep it to yourself podcast at gmail.com until next time be safe and be well